Welcome to Ethics and the Naval Warrior. I'm your host, Michael Sears. Today, I am honored to have as my guest, Colonel Art Athens. Colonel Athens was the Naval Academy's first distinguished military professor of leadership. He served on the yard for over 15 years as the director of the Academy's Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership. Previously, he commanded units in Marine aircraft wings and served with the U.S. Space Command. He was a White House fellow where he served as special assistant to the NASA administrator. Today, he mentors collegiate athletic coaches and speaks about ethical leadership nationwide to organizations in the public, private, and nonprofit sectors. Art is a graduate of the Naval Academy, the Naval Academy Postgraduate School, and the Army's School of Advanced Military Studies. I met Art over 40 years ago here on the banks of the Severn, where he was our Brigade Commander. Art, it is a pleasure. Welcome. Well, Michael, I've got to tell you, it's uh, it's really an honor to be part of your podcast series. I think it's wonderful what you're doing and the information that's going out to uh, the fine men and women of the brigade. It's an honor to have you here. Let's get busy with this topic. It is ethics and speaking truth to power. How would you define speaking truth to power? And frankly, how does that involve ethics? So speaking truth to power is often thought about from the aspect of the follower uh, looking up to the leader and needing to bring an idea forward, uh, a disagreement perhaps with a policy or a, or a direction, or in very severe cases, uh, an, an ethical problem that needs to be addressed. I have, though, Michael, always felt that speaking that truth to power actually involves the leader and the follower. The follower has a responsibility, but I would argue that the leader has even a more significant responsibility of setting the kind of climate where people can speak up and speak that truth up to to power. When I think about this subject of truth to power, the word that people often use is the word dissent. Uh, the Latin for that word is really where we think or consider something differently. That's the root of the of the word dissent. But again, I don't think it's a a concept that is just about followers taking on the responsibility of speaking up. I think the leader also has to have that environment created where people are willing and are listened to, not always their suggestions taken, but at least listened to carefully. And then at times the leader is going to adjust the direction that they take based on that, on that input. If I could share a, a quick story, General John Sattler, who was the Distinguished Chair of Leadership while I was at the Stockdale Center, relates an incident when he was the Marine Expeditionary Force Commander in Iraq, and he had just approved and been very involved in a, a major operational plan in Iraq. Uh, General Sattler is very enthusiastic. He had just briefed about 200 people on how great this plan was, and he walks out as he describes it himself, frothing at the mouth with excitement. And there's this lieutenant colonel, and I've seen the picture of it because someone captured the picture. The lieutenant colonel is a reserve officer. He doesn't look exactly great in his uniform, and his glasses are tilted. And as General Sattler comes out into the hallway, this lieutenant colonel kind of meekly says, sir, could I speak to you for a minute? General Sattler is sure that this is to tell him how great his plan was. And the lieutenant colonel says, I hate, I hate to tell you this, sir, but I think there are some significant weaknesses in the plan you've just briefed. 
General Sattler relates, his first reaction is, who is this guy and how he could dare challenge this great plan that I just briefed? And then he was humble enough to say, tell me what you're thinking. The lieutenant colonel laid out a couple of points. General Sattler realized it was true what he was telling him, and he had to go back in to readjust that plan and then brief it to the 200 that he had before. Uh, that's in many ways that truth to power. A young officer meekly telling a three-star general, I think you got it wrong, and a general who's, again, selfless enough to be able to say, I'm going to listen, and we, we're going to head in a new direction because of what I just heard. Great story, and we both know General Sattler well, so he kind of projects that exuberance and that attitude that uh, a young officer can come and actually voice that. Tell me this, as a leader, how do you demonstrate to your folks that you're accepting or available for that type of feedback? A great question. And uh, I think leaders need to study this subject. I think we need to really consider how do we set the environment? And I think there's a couple of keys to it. One is the leader definitely has to verbalize it. The, the leader needs to say, I, I not only desire input, but I'm seeking it out and I don't want to have just a bunch of yes men and women around me. That's not what I'm, what I'm actually looking for. And the verbalization has to be in, in a way that people believe it. And the only way they're going to really believe it is by the subsequent actions that that leader takes. So when the leader says that they want input, but the first person who pushes back against the boss get shot down in a very dramatic way. Everyone looks around and says, okay, he might have said that, she might have said that, but that's not what that leader is really thinking. And nobody is going to propose anything different or challenge the boss. So again, the boss has to verbalize. Then the boss needs to also take actions that show that they really are listening. I was just reading something the other day about active listening. You know, 80% listening and 20% transmitting would be a, a good percentage for leaders to think about. Uh, obviously, there are times where we have to transmit, but the listening part that sometimes we're not as good at, they, the leader has to show that if they're going to be someone who wants that truth spoken to him or her. And I would say another key part that a lot of leaders don't do is when they do get a differing opinion and they listen to it, they really actually do listen to it, but they choose either the same direction they're going or they choose a different one, but not with the suggestion of that young officer or enlisted sailor or Marine might be bringing forth. And they don't go back to that individual, kind of circle back and have a it can be a quick conversation just to assure them your idea was listened to. Here are a couple reasons why I still went this, this other way. I think that gives the confidence that people say, well, the boss didn't take my suggestion, but at least they, they heard. Because if we do give these recommendations and it, the leader always goes in a, in a different direction, then after a while, they think, I wasn't really listened to, even if the leader really was. This circle back, though, I think encourages that subordinate to do it again because they have that, they have that confidence. 
I like the old adage that you've got one mouth and two ears, so you should use them proportionately. <laughs> that works. Hey, listen, uh, humility, where does that play in? Is that the leader or is that the uh, follower who is speaking truth? Well, whenever the word humility is used, I'm always concerned because a lot of times humility is seen as a, as a weak attribute that someone would have, someone who, who doesn't speak up or you know, lets people walk all over them, et cetera. And I, and I don't think that's what humility is really about. I think C.S. Lewis, the, the British theologian and author, uh, had it right when, when he said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Uh, those are two different things. The first being confidence and the other being where is your focus on yourself or on, or on others. So that to me is, is what humility is about. And I think a leader has to have the humility to say, I don't have all the answers. I can learn from other people and I want to hear. Uh, and, and I think if you don't have that trait, you're less apt to set that environment that I spoke about previously. On the, on the subordinate side, on the follower side, humility becomes important that it is about others. It is about the organization. It's about something bigger than I am. So when I see something that can be made better or there is an ethical concern, then, then I've got that viewpoint of the organization is more important than myself, even to the point where it's possible it's going to affect me professionally, but at the same time, it's going to be what's right for the leader and for the organization as a whole. Because so many times when, when a follower doesn't speak up, uh, it affects the, the organization, it affects the leader himself or herself, and it affects uh, the mission itself. So we've got to be beyond ourselves as humble followers as well. So it takes humility on both sides of the, of the equation. And that equation has two sides, as you well said, which means it's a team. So you've got to you've got to count on each other. We do, and and, and you know I think we're we're being very short sighted when we don't see that connection. Where we don't see it really does take everybody, and that it doesn't matter whether the organization is twenty thousand, twenty or two. Uh, we we really do need each other, and and I. I have a song that's always been kind of a favorite of me, uh, written and sung by originally by Bill Withers, uh, called "Lean on Me." Great song. Uh, and, and the the lyrics that that go with it are are very powerful. But the the chorus itself is, and I won't sing it, Michael, because I know you have a be- you have a better voice than I do. But, sing it hard. You know, lean lean on me when when you're not strong. I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. For it won't be long till I'm going to need someone to lean on. So there are times we need to lean on another person, and eventually that person is going to need to lean on us. And when you have that kind of that kind of energy and that kind of communication and that kind of teamwork in any kind of a unit, I, I think there's going to be some great things that are that are actually done. But I don't think you get to that lean on me viewpoint, that lean on me philosophy, when it's when it's too much about you from either the leader or the or, or the follower. And I've seen I've seen both cases. Uh, it, you know, one of the one of the interesting stories that's out there about uh, about followership and speaking truth to power is General George Marshall. Uh, who eventually became the chief of staff of the army during uh, periods of World War II, 
Uh, he also became Secretary of State, the Marshall Plan of Europe, mm-hmm. uh, and eventually actually even the Secretary of Defense. And, and I think as I've read about Marshall pretty extensively, uh, one of his key characteristics was humility. It, it was not about him. And there's an incident that occurred, uh, I believe it was 1917, when, when General Pershing, who was the commander of the Expeditionary Forces at the time, came down to the Army 1st Division that Marshall was the operations officer. And uh, Pershing wanted to see a, a, a taking of a trench, which was a major type of evolution that was needed in World War I. And he wanted to see the division do this. It went terrible. Pershing brought the whole division together, lambasted the division, criticized the commanding officer of the division in front of the entire division. Well, Marshall at the operation, as the operations officer was just livid. So as Pershing is going off to get in his car, Marshall, who's a major at this time, says, uh, General Pershing, I think there's something that needs to be said. And if no one else is going to say it, I'll, I'll say it. So Pershing turns around to him and says, and who are you? Marshall says, I'm, I'm, I'm Major Marshall. I'm the operations officer of the division. And uh, Marshall says, sir, I don't have anything to say for myself, but I have something to say for the division. You need to know, sir, that we were actually engaged with the enemy yesterday when this call came down to have this demonstration for you. The division marched 30 miles last night to be here in the morning to do that capture of a trench demonstration. And I'm not sure the division was at their best position to do that after that long march. And and you need to know that. So Pershing kind of said, all right. And he starts walking to his car and Marshall says, that's not all, sir. And Pershing turns around again and Marshall says, you also need to know that your headquarters gives very poor support for this division. Pershing goes, well, I'll look into it. And Marshall says, sir, you don't have to look into it. It's a fact. So someone who had been listening to this conversation put their arm around Marshall and said, well, George, you've had a you've had a great career up to this point, and I'm sure Major will be your your last rank. As it turns out, Marshall, in a little bit of time, was actually brought up to Pershing staff to serve as the operations officer. And then after that, he would be Pershing's personal aide for four years. And Marshall would, of course, eventually have those prestigious positions. But again, I believe the, re- the, reason, the reason that Marshall could confront Pershing like that was humility. And turning right around, Pershing, who nece- not necessarily was always known for his humility, but at least he was willing to listen. And he saw a quality in somebody that he then you know, used for, uh, for the broader purpose of the units he commanded. Right on point. And of course, uh, General Marshall ends up, as you said earlier, with five stars, and we know him as a warrior and as a peacemaker. Art, thank you very much for this uh, very, very insightful presentation on Speaking Truth to Power. Uh, We have a lot of other things to talk about as we go forward. So I will absolutely look forward to it. Art, again, thanks. Yes, sir. It was great being with you, Michael, and uh, I look forward to seeing you soon. You've been listening to Ethics in the Naval Warrior, produced by the Boeing Leadership Innovation Lab at the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership. You can find more of our podcasts by visiting the Radio Stockdale page at usna.edu.